G'day teabaggers, this is actually an episode I recorded in LA a few weeks ago with the fabulous Dan Illick. Dan is currently doing a possible campaign for his series A Rational Fear. Uh, they've got 10 days to go, uh, they've got 49% of the target to go. Uh, if you want to support that, go to Possible and look for A Rational Fear. Um, Dan does great, hilarious videos on the internet. We talk about uh, that a little bit in this episode, but I wanted to give it a big plug up the front. Uh, one, uh, 10 days ago, 49% left of their target. They've already made a bunch of funny videos. A rational fear on possible. Please support that. Um, I'm also got a few more days left at the Adelaide Fringe. The weekend shows are almost sold out, but uh, there's probably still a few tickets available uh, during the week. Um, the during the week shows have been fantastic. The Monday night one last night was uh, one of my favourites uh, of the whole run. So thanks to everyone who came out to the extended version of the show on the Monday night. And hopefully I'll see some people at the show this week. Then I'm off to Brisbane next week. Again, a lot of those shows are close to selling out. So if you want to come and see the show, I'm really happy with where it's at. And the coolest thing about it is it feels like it's still growing a lot as well, which is the ideal place for it to be in. So uh, please come and see me in Brisbane uh, at the Brisbane Comedy Festival at the Powerhouse. They'll be my only Brisbane shows. Uh, for all of the year and at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival they're my only Melbourne shows for the year so please come and check out the show at the Comedy Theatre during the Melbourne International Comedy Festival and then in the Sydney Comedy Festival um, those shows are almost completely sold out we've added an extra one at Chatswood there's only two at the end more so if you want to come and see those shows as part of the Sydney Comedy Festival get in quick for those Um, there's plugs at the end and stuff anyway but I really just wanted to mention Dan's project A Rational Fear they're possible if you want to support that uh, go and check that out I hope you enjoy the episode. Cheers. The following episode of FOFOP is classified MA. It contains some coarse language, some nudity, drug references, a sex scene, time travel, terrible Batman impersonations, a Charlie Clausen pronounced Clausen shaped hole, and mild coarse language. FOFOP advises that the program is not suitable for persons under the age of 15, and minors must be accompanied by an adult guardian or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax, this is Topop. <laughs> Ironically, I'm not relaxed. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Fofop. I'm Will Anderson and guest Charlie Clawson this week is returning guest Charlie Clawson, Dan Ellick. Hello, Dan. Hello, Will Anderson. Once again, there won't be as many Batman references. I, pro- I can oh, promise there, you. There uh, may be. <laughs> well, from Who knows? Well, I could just make some up. Right. <laughs> yeah. I um uh, I, This is uh, part of my ongoing series. Well, it's going to be an ongoing series of uh, guest housemate uh, toe fops, basically, uh, because uh, I've got Felicity Ward coming. You're staying at my house in the moment right. in LA, mm-hmm. and I've got Felicity Ward coming up in about a month. She's going to stay here. <laughs> and each, each time someone's like, oh, what can I get you in return for staying? And I said, podcast. <laughs> Content. Good, 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 Leave good. me with some content and I'm fine. I want to put on the record that I also have given you a, uh, a Sundance Snow Dome as right. well. And, yeah. I've, and Felicity, Felicity's <laughs> staying for a month. She was like, can I pay some rent? And I said, no, just when you discover that there's some shit I should have in my house that I don't have, get me that. Yep. Because it's so weird when you're furnishing a new house, like mm. from scratch. You just don't know what shit you need until that moment where you're like, 
oh, no, I don't have one of those. Yeah, and I'm sure girls are particularly good at that. So Felicity will definitely come in. She'll see your blank walls. She will uh, maybe paint the walls for you. Right, she, she can't do that. That's against my lease. That's going to cost me thousands of dollars. That's a terrible she idea. She might leave a mural in blood. Felicity, if you're listening, don't do that. That's terrible. I won't get my bond back. And I had to pay double bond because I'm from overseas. <laughs> Is that what they make you do? Yeah, because you don't have a credit history here. Oh, really? Yeah, so everything. Um, and you can't get a credit history because you don't have a credit history. Right. So basically, um, everything that I've had to do, you have to just pay double up front. Like, you know, so when you get the phone on, you have to pay double up front. And when you get the internet on, you have to pay double up front. And when, so it's always just double up front. Or because you haven't had 40 years of other companies tracking your, your right. habits. Right. <laughs> oh, they're all tracking me now, though. <laughs> like, I've been back and forth for the last three years. And many companies in this country have not had the opportunity to data mine me. How, well, do, how does it feel, Will Anderson, to be on the system? Oh, well, I'm getting about 16 unsolicited emails a day. That's good news. <laughs> My email is full every day. I'm like, I must be popular. No, Pottery Barn has a sale. Oh, damn. You know, I've been shopping today. And what companies have been doing, rather than giving me a physical receipt, is they've emailed right. me the receipt. Now, I should be smarter than that and not... Give them my email address. I was in a shop the other day um, uh, called West Elm is the name of this business. They're a furniture shop as well. I was looking for shit for the house. And I paid for my stuff. And I've never shopped at West Elm before. And they said, can we email you your receipt? And they had my email. How the fuck did they have my email? They already had your email. They already had my email. When my credit cards went through, my email address came up. So they've obviously bought that off some other company or they're part of a system of some other company. Well, there was an article that I sent you yesterday where the guy went to OfficeMax. Uh, he only went to OfficeMax once and they had his, he, had, they gave him, he, gave him their, he gave him his physical address and OfficeMax sent him a letter. It gave his name and then underneath it had daughter died in car crash. Yes. That's not what you want to be reminded that's of. That's not a conversation you would ever have at OfficeMax either. No. Like how, how does OfficeMax know that your daughter died in a car crash? Unless the when guy you received a letter with daughter died in car crash. Unless the guy's your, a real oversharer. Like it's like it's one of those days where like he's buying like they're like, Why are you buying this? Like let's roll know. let's roll play this. Hello, sir. Welcome to Office Max. Uh well I'm not gonna do an accent because I'm no good at accents, sure. but I appreciate it. Let's go with it. I, I enjoy that you will I do an accent. I think you should try. <laughs> I think you should try. Uh let's try again. All right, cool. Good afternoon, sir. What can I do for you at Office Max? Ah, uh, I'm very sad. <laughs> oh, sir, why are you so sad? We've got a sale on staplers. I would, I would like to buy all the staplers you have. Yes, sir. Can we get three hundred thousand staplers for this gentleman? Yes, I would like three hundred thousand staplers, please. And uh, I would like some uh, everything. I just want everything. I'm going to okay. buy. Wow, you want everything, everything in our entire store? Why? You must be, f- you must be trying to fill up a gap in your heart or something. My daughter just died in a car accident. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. <laughs> Can I email your receipt? <laughs> I can see how that would go. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I mean, maybe Office Max are looking. We shouldn't make light of this. This poor fella. But they, Office Max maybe are looking at you know the the future of stationery because everything's going electronic now. They're like, well, you know, there's maybe this business isn't going to be around forever. You know, like the post office. Hmm. Maybe they're looking into cloning daughters. <laughs> Maybe they're taking some of the photocopy technology they have. They've invested in a they've invested in a three D printer out the back, and they're looking to fill voids in people's houses. Lars and the real girl style. It's like when your dog dies and you get a taxidermied. Uh, when your daughter dies, you can get a, a bust made of her. Right. <laughs> oh, this is Cheryl. Yeah. Uh, oh, we just keep her in the corner. She looks a bit plastic. She is. It's yeah. like those families that keep um, the the room. You know, they keep the room the way it was. Oh, like you a know. museum. Yeah. Mm. So they can actually have. 
this is dark. Oh. <laughs> we started in a very that's, dark place. I think that's okay. No, I. At but this is Office Max's fault, not our fault. No, no. Like, this is this is well. This is not even Office Max's fault. This is a company who right. obviously knew about this death, who put who accidentally put daughter died rather than the notes section in like the address line two right. section. That's that's and that would that would be a terrible address. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. If you lived ten sixty West Addison, daughter died in car I, crash. I just got a great new place. Uh, it was a lot cheaper than I thought for what I got. Uh, why? Is there any downsides? No, it's close to public transport and it's in a really good area. Oh, what's your address? Oh, yeah, it's 23, daughter died in a car tra- crash road. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that might be it. Daughter head severed in car crash road. So what brings you to America? Why are you in America at the moment? I just love the portions. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, at I, home people look at you weird when you order two me, two of everything <laughs> but here you're just like that's a normal size yeah, I, I've been ordering small of everything it's right. great here I, I'm, I'm a medium shirt here which is excellent I'm a small coffee here which is fantastic uh, uh, I've got a big ego here but my ego is nowhere near as big as everybody <laughs> else's so it's like I'm a normal person in America right I yeah, love it yeah it's, it's really true. good uh, I'm here um, for fun and for work like it, I'm going on kind of a, like a round the world jaunt. So I went to the Sun, Sundance Film Festival, which I don't, is I don't f- think we've ever had any, anyone on the podcast before mid-joint. A mid-joint. <laughs> mid-joint? Well, yeah, mid, mid-joint we have, <laughs> not mid-jaunt. Yeah, so I'm mid-joint. It's really good. So uh, essentially, I like Sundance, so I went to the Sundance Film Festival. Right, it's so my fourth, fourth when time. you went, went sorry, you, it's the fourth time yep. that you've gone? So tell us, because I think people, like everyone's heard of the Sundance yep. Film Festival, but tell us what it's actually like to, to go there. Imagine if uh, Hollywood and New York uh, wankers from the entertainment industry invaded Jindabyne uh, <laughs> mid-ski season right. to not ski but to watch films, drink coffee and talk loudly on the phone about financing films. That's what that's essentially, essentially what it's like. And it, what do you do when you're there? You ski, you party, you drink, you crash parties, you go to places you're not meant to be, you go see films that are either really, really good or really, really bad, uh, and I, I, which is a great confluence of things I enjoy. Like I love skiing, I love partying, and I love going to see films. Right. So it's just like an excellent... So really, you, don't, you shouldn't be in entertainment. You should be a Hollywood executive. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I've thought about that a lot. Uh, right. I think there's a lot more... You enjoy income. the lifestyle of it. I, you're you're like, like, I really do. I'm in love with the lifestyle. <laughs> right. Uh, it's really great. Like It's really good. And I can spot talent, Will. I can spot talent. I'm not happy to stay on the couch of talent's houses, <laughs> talent's houses right. when I know good talent. <laughs> I mean, that's a good point, you know. I'll be I'll be crashing at your place. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. yeah, yeah, you're more than welcome to. Yeah, no. I, I, so, uh, run us through how you go to the films. Like, do you get a pass, or do you have to buy? Like, to, how does it work? How how does the, the actual practicalities of like going and seeing things work? You can either do a couple of things. You can get up really early at six o'clock in the morning and go to the box office when the tickets open, and they usually have like twenty tickets left for every film that's sold out. Right. Uh, or you can do the e wait list. Now, the e wait list is an app. It's on your phone. You hit go. To hit go on your phone um, when it's two hours out from the movie, and it's like the fastest finger gets the shortest number, that gets the smallest number, and the smallest number means you, there's a higher chance of you getting into the right. into the film. But the thing is, if you fuck up or you you misplace a finger, fractions of seconds can mean the difference between number ten for a film or one hundred and forty four for right. a film. And that's just ridiculous. If you've got a number over 100, you might as well just stay in the pub drinking. Must be nice for those guys to sit there just knowing that they're in a room full of people with fast fingers. (laughs) 
<laughs> Do you know what I mean? If there's any sort of emergency, these are the greatest fingers. Yeah, these you are the know, best fingers all of, we need. Yeah. All, yeah. all in Sundance. If yeah. someone comes in and they're just like, oh my God. I just, we need some flash fingers. Like, I need to be brought to orgasm immediately. <laughs> oh, you, sure. well, you're in the right place. You might be thinking that. I was thinking, I need to win gold in uh, Epic Games' Summer Games 2. Uh, someone needs to tap that finger very fast. Right, you know what? Yours is probably more realistic than mine. I mean, it's probably not going to happen that you're at a film festival and someone's gone in, there's an emergency. I need to be fingered to orgasm as quickly as possible. I mean, it's an unlikely set of circumstances that I've outlaid there. But if that unlikely event did arise, they would be in the right place. That's right, yeah. And you know what? Everyone would be ranked on, on their phone. They'd have a number and you'd definitely know who would be number one. Right, you, you could just, yeah. You could just Show me your in. number. One. Number you're one. In. You're in. Digits downstairs. If, if Go. you want. If you want. If you want, you're in. Yeah, I'll take number two. Right. Number two, I'm, sh- I'm sure number two. Top ten. T- two Any- to eight will do a terrific <laughs> job. Two through eight will be very fast. That, that, yeah, you have to line them up in their zones. This is uh, one one through ten. Yep. This is eleven through twenty. Look, we'll get we'll get through everyone. Jenny, the pharmacist to. from New York, you're in. Yeah. Uh, so then you go and watch the movies, and then the parties. When you say you crash the parties, do you literally crash the parties? Like, are you, you know, is, how, how does that work? Uh, it, basically, I'm not. I'm not famous in America by any stretch of the imagination. If not, like, do not even think that I'm famous at all. Do you ever love it, sit in? Have you ever Lovitz it in? For people who've never seen Dad, you don't you don't look like John Lovitz. I need to point that out. I'm just saying that if you needed to try to convince someone you're a celebrity, I could probably, that would be the one you'd I have to go with. There's a yeah. guy, his name is Rufus. He's a mate of mine. Uh, he's British. And he all he does is travel the world crashing parties. And I've learned a lot from him. He's a guy who once crashed Elton John's birthday party where it was a dinner for about 40 people. Wow. And that's a crash. It's a great crash. That's and a high level crash. How he did it was he hired a black London cab yep. to drive him through the gates of Elton John's house. Normally people got out there, but he said, no, 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 just drive through. And the gates opened up and they dropped him off outside Elton John's house and he walked in all dressed up. And uh, there was only one seat at the table left. Right. It was next to Bill Clinton. Uh-huh. And the reason why the seat next to Bill Clinton was available was because Hillary was sick that night. So had Hillary not been ill, <laughs> there would have been no more seats left. Right. Would Which would have been, been an awkward, awkward moment. situation. He would, so, have had to, he would have had to come in, uh, put on some music and go, all right, everyone, musical chairs. It's Elton's favourite game. Come on, round the table. <laughs> Remarkable. So he sat next to Bill Clinton the entire dinner. Oh, so he, re- he stayed? He, he, he stayed, get... yeah. No, he stayed and pretended he was a director. Right. Like how he started crashing. How he started crashing parties. Was... And he fucked Bill Clinton, right? That happened. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was a... Bill Clinton would be great at that fastest finger first. He, 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 I would say he's in the top 20 now. Yeah. Um, though he does drink almond milk, so maybe top 15. He drinks almond milk? Yeah, he's totally he's total vegan now. Things ah. you have in common with Bill, Bill Clinton. Yeah, I'm not total vegan though. <laughs> My house is full of hippie snacks, as we discovered last night, because we were sitting watching a bit of television television late at night uh, on the couch um, and uh, I went to the cupboard to see if there was any snacks mm. and uh, all I was able to bring back in the name of like junk food for us to eat late at night on the couch was uh, sweet potato corn chips and seaweed snacks. The seaweed wasabi was fantastic. They're you, good, right? Oh, delicious. Wonderful. Only 60 calories in an entire packet. Oh, I wouldn't even have to run this afternoon. It's a wonder food. <laughs> it's a super food. <laughs> Um, so how Rufus got his start yep. crashing parties was at the Venice Film Festival. And at Venice, he walked into a film screening late. He thought he was running, he knew he was running late to a film screening. Uh-huh. He rocked up late. Everyone was already in there. Um, and when he burst through the doors, everyone turned around and started applauding. 
and people ushered him down to the front and they sat him in a seat and they watched a film. The film stopped and he got ushered to the podium to do the Q&A. They thought he was the director oh my God. of a film at Venice. And the Venice film director was there, the festival director was there and gave him his card and was like, oh, please, uh, you know, here's my card. If you have any problems, let me know. I can help you out. <laughs> and so he stayed at Venice the entire week just calling the festival director to arrange for transport around Venice and getting into parties. Oh, my so, God. So now he just makes a living out of this um, in terms of he just he crashes parties and that's how he gets fed. But he also runs events. He runs his own gifting boutiques. If you've never been to a major film festival, um, there are these crazy things called gifting boutiques. Uh-huh. Whereas if you have enough Twitter followers, Will Anderson right. with your 260,000, uh, or your clout score is high enough, or your IMDb credits are sufficiently long, you get to go in and rich people give you stuff for free. Brands just give you bags of expensive goods for free and you walk right. away. And no, that, That's how society should be, shouldn't yeah. it? Rewarding <laughs> the rich people for doing nothing. This is America. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. The people who can afford everything get everything given to them for free. Hang on. Isn't this a country where minimum wage is under $10? <laughs> Shut up. Shut up. Give Shut Rene- up. Give Renee Zellweger another sack. <laughs> Shut up. I did three guest spots on the Big Bang Theory. Right. <laughs> just load up the truck. Back up the truck. And in Park City, what happens is... Uh, it's about 10 shops in Main Street for get, get vacant during the time of the festival and these gifting suites move in. And if you're a big enough celebrity, brands will just want to give you stuff. Oh, my God. So, like, and he's, he's got, a, he's got a, a way in for these things too. That's not a party. You have to right. be on the list for that. Yeah. But what he's got is a stack of Vanity Fair cards that just say somebody's name. So, he's got Vanity Fair, Alex, blah, 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 fashion contributor. And people just go, oh, you're from Vanity Fair. Come on in. Take whatever you need. It is the wow. biggest stitch up. Wow. Uh, they should make a movie about this dude. It he, would be a great movie. Yeah, apparently he was involved with a TV show in the UK about blagging. Right. For MTV. Um, but this is his life. And he now he runs those gifting boutiques. So he runs one. But you know what would be, you know be a good plot for a movie? Here we go. I'll pitch it. I there always like go. to put, pitch movies on here as opposed to the meetings I'm having with movie producers. Do you want to put my Harvey Weinstein accent on? Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, if you could Weinstein it for me. Hey, Will, nice to see you. What you got? Is that what he sounds like? Uh, yeah, that's good. I like <laughs> it. I think that's good. That works for me anyway. Um, uh, okay, so this is my pitch. Yeah. It's about the world's best party crasher yes. think wedding crashes right yeah but this is going to have a bit more of like it have some comedy but it's a bit more sort of action adventure as well he's so it starts with him you know the comedy comes from him crashing all these events he starts with little events we see flashback the first time that he ever crashed a party you know we, we, we tell the story of this guy's life and it starts as just like you, you think he's like it's it's a harmless comedy you know this is a guy just debonair through life but then one day he's tapped on the shoulder by the government because they're having, they need to, I don't know what exactly they have to do. Ayatollah Khomeini. Right. He's having his, a party. It's his 80th birthday. Right. And they have to get into this party for whatever plot twist that we're going to do. Because Ahmadinejad is there. Right. And they need a guy <laughs> who can crash his... the party. And the CIA can't get in and the FBI can't get in. And they're all at a loss of how they get in. The only way they can get in this party <laughs> yeah. Is through the world's best uh, party, party crasher. crasher, and so he has to then, like you know, he's recruited. I guess this is pretty much kind of the plot of Team America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, I think that would be a good movie. That- I, I, yeah, I think that's great. Will, that's good. It's good. We'll, we love it. Oh, good. There you go. Yeah, All there right. Go, Thanks. Yeah. I appreciate Probably that. won't call you, but we like oh, it. Right. Yeah, <laughs> okay, cool. There'll be another movie exactly like that <laughs> yeah, next year. We're 
unfortunately, we're already yeah. kind of developing something very yeah. similar. Very to that. similar. Can we please get the, the party crush? The guy got a party crush. Uh, Iran, go, go, go. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you keep trying. It's real great. Come back to us with more ideas. Thank you. That would be a good movie. I think I would go and watch that movie. Yeah. It, uh, well, it, doing doing it is actually really fun. I crash party. So I see. I don't have the confidence. So I I, I want to. Oh. I want you to walk through the the mindset of like how you plan to crash a party, what your approach is, like what what your temperament needs to be like in the clutch the clutch situations. I want to learn this from you. Okay. Right. Let me tell you the the tricks. The tricks are so easy. Okay. Right. Basically, at Sundance, it doesn't matter. Um, if you don't get into a party because there's 400 events throughout right. the week. So if you miss out on one party, there's another party down the road to yeah. crash. So you're basically doing the uh, the guy at high school who had the approach of, I'll just ask every, every girl, girl. Yep. and one of them will eventually. Best thing, best and easiest way to do it is kind of sneak up to where people are ahead, ahead of you. And as they're saying their names, kind of look at the list the doorman's holding. And if, you can, if you can see a name that yeah. you can count as your own, then pick it. And then just give that name. Okay, that's that's, good. that's the simple one. The that's third, that's good. the easiest way. The list is the easiest way. Okay, if that doesn't, <gasps> if that doesn't work, you also with that one lead to at least one awkward conversation for that actual person. Yeah, when they the, arrive. But the problem <laughs> here's the thing, right? That that conversation doesn't exist because that person has ID. Right. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> They're like, no, I am. Oh, You're not harming oops. anyone. You're right. not harming anyone. That's no, a good point. <laughs> Would you steal a couch? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> No, you wouldn't, but you download a movie because right. it's not stealing. It's not stealing. <laughs> not stealing. <laughs> so, so that's the that's the number one thing. Okay, um, good. it gets tricky now because of iPads because they do like a like a name check off. Uh -huh. yep. But um, the paper lists are really easy, and here's the great thing is because. It, the white paper lists are easy because often at a party there's about three or four door people right. and they've all got the same list yes. so if one person marks off then there's another list to, to have, a, have a right. Good. so the iPad's difficult because often it's a cloud situation uh -huh. anyway if computers you miss, if you miss out the world there, yet again Dan <laughs> <laughs> Jedi mind tricks is also good if you can just talk them through you know oh, okay. just tell them how famous you yeah. are um, that can often that can sometimes yield results but you don't necessarily want to do that because that's a long laborious right. thing and the third thing is there's always another way in to oh, a party. Oh, right. Uh, every party, there's always another way in. Yeah. Uh, with Rufus, I was in Toronto. And one one party, I'll tell you the story of two parties. The first party we went to was great. It was the Fox Searchlight party. Three major films. Also, by the way, that's a scene. Like, I can imagine that's a, like, a line of dialogue from the movie. It's like a scene where they're talking to him. <laughs> and they're like, there's no way into this party. And he just leans across the table and he English goes. English accent. <laughs> I can't do it. <laughs> go on, go on. He says, Refined. <laughs> there's always another way into a party. Hey, well done. <laughs> really good. Excellent. Well done. Excellent. Yeah. Um, that's a tagline for the film. That, there's always another but, yeah, way. There's always another way. So the Fox Searchlight party <laughs> was one of the easiest ways. They had a list we couldn't see, but uh -huh. all, because there were three films, it was 127 hours, there was uh, two other Fox Searchlight films. Yep. So we looked up IMDb and just picked a producer off IMDb. Oh, good, and yes. And just said the name at the, at, at the door. And so I was like, oh, Tony Smithson. And the lady went, oh, hello, Tony Smithson. So great to see you again. Come on in. How's everything going in L.A.? Yeah, really good. Great. Enjoy your party. And I'm like, oh. Nice. Good. Like, that's good. how they treat you in America. Good. The other one was a little tricky. Now, this was a party where Megan Fox was at. Okay. Um, there was a lot of other. John, John Hamm was at. Uh -huh. um, and 
a, a comedy hero of mine was at, and I'll tell you who that is. Okay, cool. We got to the front door. Uh, we tried the list. We we stuffed up the list, and we got balled by the like black band by the guy with the yep. door. He's like, he's like, you know, go away, you guys. You're not getting into this party. So three yep. of us left. My mate Brad Blanks, who's an Aussie guy in America. I know Brad. You know Brad. He's a good bloke. He's like, oh, you know what, boys? I'm too tired. I'm going home. And my mate Swano went with him. So it was just me and Rufus. Right. So me and Rufus, Rufus and I, Rufus is. He's the great, great crush. And he yep. says, Dan, there's always another way. Here we go. Let's go for a walk. So we, we did a lap and we see the side entrance and there's like uh, two big black SUVs there with like goons outside. Right. We're like, well, we can't go in there. So we keep going around the back of this club in Toronto and we're at the back of the club district in Toronto down an alleyway and we just hear like the echo of bad R&B music all around us. Okay, sure. And we see, uh, he sees a window at the top of the top of the stairs. He says, Dan, maybe let's go up here. There's at the top of the stairs. Maybe we go there. And I see a window down the bottom with lots of drinks in it. I say, no this window down here it's got an ice machine and drinks let's go in there so he's like yeah great so we swing in into this bottom basement window and now we're in like some sort of drink storage facility right and we burst through a door it's the cloakroom of a club and we run we walk briskly through the cloakroom the lady at the cloakroom door is like what's going on and we're like right. walk right past her just swing go. into the toilet just go swing into the toilet and we're like right i think we're in so we go out of the go out of the cloakroom go out of the toilet and Rufus whispers in my ear, not whispers, yells because it's a club. He's like, no, there are people paying for drinks here. This is not the right club. <laughs> he is furious. So fucking furious. So he's looking for the entrance for the club, right? He's like, let's get out, Dan. Let's leave. Like, it's so, it's against everything he believes in. Right, yeah, And yeah. he starts making his way. He did not get into this game to pay for drinks. Exactly. This is the whole point. This is also part of his character in this, my movie. Yeah, this, this, like, this is He likes a drink. He likes it. He loves a drink. Which is where things possibly go, <laughs> go wrong, wrong at the party yeah. at the end. He, he can never resist uh, the free drink. I'm liking the sound of this again. <laughs> you got yourself a second meeting. So, I actually really do like this movie. I really <laughs> do. <laughs> so he, he's heading off to the exit for the club, the main yep. entrance. And I say, Rufus, let's go through this, this fire exit here. So we, we burst through a fire exit. The fire exit door pops open. It pops open to bright lights and a media wall and a red carpet. Okay. All of a sudden, yep. we are behind the door list guy by about 10 metres. Oh, okay. So you're so still in the zone though, right? We're, no, yeah. we're behind him. Oh, you're he's behind the, he's, him. He's at the top of the red carpet. Yep. We are now on the red carpet. Awesome. And we bolt to get a stamp. We get a right. stamp and we're let in. Bang. And that night I met John Hamm. That was great. <sighs> Megan Fox squeezed herself up against me and I didn't know who she was. I thought she was just some trash bag. And someone said, Megan Fox just squeezed past you. And I'm like, right. oh, well, that's disgusting. Yeah, Whatever she's a famous trash bag. A famous <laughs> trash bag. The most awful, disgusting person <laughs> at that party was Megan Fox. And then uh, at the fard table, uh, Bill Murray was having dinner. Oh, are you serious? And... I, I didn't have any, I just wanted a picture with him yeah. and, uh, and he was wearing a vest and I said, oh, Bill, uh, I'm from Australia. I'm taking photos of people wearing vests at this party. And he's like, well, the vest is best. Take a picture. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I love Bill Murray. Everything I hear about Bill Murray makes me love him more. Dave Anthony and I were talking about that story. You know, you, I guess you saw this the other day where he said that he did uh, Garfield mistakenly. Oh, yeah. Because he thought that, because uh, it said Joel Cohen, but it's C O H E N, who's a different. He thought it was the Cohen brothers. brothers. <laughs> That's the great thing. That's a great line out of Zombieland where he says, Do you have any regrets, Garfield? Garfield? <laughs> oh, my God. He's so good in that film, too. 
So good. Uh, he's just, but I, you hear all these wonderful stories about him, like just lobbing at people's parties and having good times. Yeah, and, like turning up to be the barman. Yeah, party he is and, the he's the one celebrity that you, I think you could safely go up to and say, "Can I have a photo?" and feel like there's a chance that if I'm not a douche about this, yeah. I will get this photo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Oh well, I, that's very it was, exciting. It was very good. It was very good. And there's a great story, you know, that often gets this big urban myth where someone gets a noogie in a in an elevator. There's a guy. Some all of, all of a sudden there's a guy behind them grabbing their head and rubbing their head with the with the with their knuckles and turns around and it's Bill Murray. And Bill Murray will leave the elevator saying, You can try and tell somebody, but they won't believe you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the story. That's like the Bill Murray story. The classic <laughs> urban myth, right? You've never heard that before. Oh my god, I've never heard that before. <laughs> um but I would love if um he uh I would love if um he could be a cameo in our movie. That's all I'm saying. I feel like he would be a good cameo in our movie. The vest is best. <laughs> Maybe he could even be an old party crash. Oh, oh, anyway. he could, oh, he could be. Yeah, he could be the sensei. Yeah. Like the... I think he could play like an old, like a guy who crashed, but then like crashed and burned. Maybe to get... Crash, uh, crash, crash and burn, by the way, is my working title. Good, I like it. I like it yeah. Crash and burn. Yeah. So for Rufus to get into Iran, he goes and seeks counsel. Of, right of Bill Murray. Right. Yeah. 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 I love it. <laughs> yeah. He's like, Bill, I've got the toughest assignment. Right. There is no, there is no party that you cannot crash. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Remember what I taught you. There is always <laughs> another, another way. way. <laughs> <laughs> this is going. Oh, this is great. Oh, what am I doing? I know. You. They always say you should write from experience. Excuse me, Will. I got to go and write my screenplay. Or rather, write your screenplay. Want to write a screenplay in the next 12 minutes? I think we did, mate. I think we're almost... We've written a whole movie here at the moment. Like, I love the idea of, like... Uh, um, and, uh, you know, so it's crash and burn. There's always another way in. Yeah. Um, I love the idea of the fact that, you know, Bill Murray doesn't want to come out of retirement. Like, I feel like that's... Bill like... Murray would be the guy who sat next to Bill Clinton, right? Yeah. You could put that Oh, yeah. You know, he was the guy that pulled off these... Oh, and you know things. what we do? it. We do it with famous... Like, we do it Forrest Gump style. <laughs> we gump <laughs> it. Foot, yeah. We gump the fuck out <laughs> yeah, of it. Yeah, so yeah. it's literally him at famous things, yeah. sitting next to them and crashing part. Oh, it, we can do that. But, you know, if Bill Murray's doing it, then I'm sure Bill Clinton will want to be in it. Oh, well, even better. <laughs> even better. <laughs> sure, the meal would have to be vegan, but you know, that's right, fine. That's fine. <laughs> catering can be vegan that day. We'll get Morrissey to do a scene on the same day so that we can just get the vegan catering in <laughs> easy, for both of them. Easy. It'll be fine. <laughs> oh, well, I like that. Yeah, because you can crash a Morrissey, uh, some sort of Morrissey thing as well. That's good. Morrissey's Perfect. in it as well. Perfect. But purely because he's also a vegan. <laughs> It's <laughs> the vegan crashing. Party. If we're going to get catering in for a day, we might as well get like a whole well, bunch of vegan celebrities. Well, let's that's face it, the saying. Ayatollah of Iran's probably halal. So oh, yeah, that's a good point. A lot of catering choices. No, to that be is made. a good point. <laughs> so, okay, so you did the Sundance Film Festival. Did you see anything that you loved? Uh, I saw a great satirical comedy called Dear White People, which was a great college flick about um, kind of post race negotiations, which is really great. Um, really funny. And then I saw a terrible documentary from Robert De Niro about Robert De Niro's dad. Hang on. Wait, 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 Robert De Niro made a documentary? Yeah. Robert De Niro made a, uh, produced a documentary uh -huh. um, called Remembering Robert De Niro Sr. Right. He's and who was Robert De Niro Sr.? Robert I De mean, firstly, obviously there is a need for that film because <laughs> I have no fucking idea who he was. So there you go. Uh, According to Robert De Niro, yes. Robert De Niro Sr. was one of the great artists of the New York school art movement. Oh. Uh, 
but I think it's only according to Robert De Niro. Right. <laughs> so what he's got. So has Robert De Niro made his version of whatever that Banksy movie was? where he made? <laughs> well, I think the Banksy movie was more interesting because I feel like that was a prank on all of us from right. Banksy. Pranksy. Uh, yeah, Pranksy. I, I feel like they, were, they actually said something. But this is like Robert De Niro trying to uh, get everyone to know who his dad was so that the price of his artwork will go up <laughs> that that's what it seems like to me like it's a cynical sort of look at it rob's rob's at home and he's got this like garage that's just full of his dad's art and he's like for fuck's sake we could throw this shit out or i could make a film, a film to in the hope it, in the hope that people believe that my dad was a great artist See, Rob De Niro... But De Niro doesn't need the money, right? No, but maybe the people who are in charge of his estate do. So there's, other, there's a lot of other, you know, there's a lot of other stakeholders who've got a whole bunch of art, you know, to, right. to make okay. this happen. So, okay. uh, and so someone's gone, hey, you know what we should do? We should, we should honour your dad's memory, shouldn't we? Shouldn't we? Shouldn't we let people know who your dad really was? I don't, uh, and there's I, a lot of there's a lot of interviews, a lot of talking heads in that film of people going, you know, Rob De Niro was never lauded as as, as the one of the great artists, but he should have been. You know, he was right up there. There was a lot of people, you know, like people, just people saying that right. he was a great artist. But I actually, in my heart of hearts, when you see the pictures, you kind of go, right? He's not really, yeah, pop, sure he's not really pro, like, is no. he? <laughs> It's not Jackson Pollock, is he? No, it's not really one of those guys. I like the idea. I was always trying to convince Corinne Grant back in the day um, when we first started doing comedy. She used to have this uh, uh, habit, and it was just as a joke, right? Uh, she would buy like cheap, like oil painting landscapes that they would sell at like the op shop for like five dollars <laughs> or whatever, but they're in frames, you yeah, know, like no. those old classic <laughs> sort of like a whole bunch of people on a hill or having a picnic or something like yeah. that. And then she would go home and she would cut out celebrities from like TV week and like new idea. And she would like stick them in the scenes. Right. Like as if they were having a picnic together or whatever. Yeah. And I always said to her, I said, every time you do an interview about like, you know, your TV work or whatever, Talk you should just say what I'm really passionate about is my heart <laughs> and see if you could build enough interest that you, cause I could, you looked at them and you'd be like, you could all you need is one person to be like, oh my god, it's a it's a great uh, take on uh, juxtaposing modern day society with landscapes as a commentary on the media oh, and the fleeting culture. nature of celebrity. It's the fact that art can cost so little, and is this the art of the modern day? And I think it reflects that, and it comments on that, and then suddenly you're fucking selling your, your stick on TV week things for ten thousand dollars a pop. You just need a few of those. You just right. need a few of those. Peter Burner is a painter. Do you know that? I did know that. Yeah. I, I saw, in fact, he made a like there was a show that either he made or that was made about him uh painting something for the archibald i reckon wow, right yeah and it was really interesting i i don't i've never seen any of his work uh it's mostly people with their dicks out like that <laughs> oh peter it's burner like, was the snapchat yeah. out of his, of yeah. his day he was way ahead he was way ahead of snapchat do you do are you on snapchat yeah do i'm you on do snapchat. snapchat what did people snapchat you with because i had a snapchat account for about a week yeah. because you know everyone was doing it yeah and uh, I, I was hoping that someone might send me a picture of their boobs or something. They didn't. No. And people sent me like stuff that I was like, um, I don't really, I feel like I'm a bit old for this. Whatever people are doing, it's fine that they're doing it. I'm not, yeah. I'm yeah. not judging that they're doing it. In the same way as I'm not on Instagram. It's not for me. Yeah, right. Like, you know, I, I have no interest in photography. Sure. And I don't need people to have pictures of what I'm doing in my life. Yeah. 
I just am not into it. Other people are. You yeah. Instagram, you're good at it. But yeah, and like lots of people really like it. But Snapchat, Instagram, I'm just like, nah. Yeah, snap. Look, Snapchat. I, I've never received um, a bird picture or, or anything remotely sexual. They I've, sell you on that promise. Uh, <laughs> they sell you on the idea that it's nothing That's but people sizzle. sending. That's the sizzle. Their pictures but, of their birds. You know, uh, people send me pictures of. Uh, them holding up a jar of Nutella. Right. Or, or, Why or, does that need to self-destruct in six seconds? I don't know, no. but I am... I want to say a cock in that Nutella. It's nothing creepy. I want to say nuts in the Nutella. <laughs> I want that to be the joke. I want it to be someone with their nuts in Nutella. I'm so go, glad I've... Nuts? Right. I've, I've got so... I've got so... I've got so... Uh, so glad that I've got rid of my Snapchat because I would have, based on that sentence alone, got at least one picture of someone with their nuts in Nutella sent well, to me based I'll on tell you, that. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this story. Um, the person who sent me that was a, uh, a broadcaster on, 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 on television okay. in Australia. All right. And she sent me that picture. So uh-huh. then I sent her a picture of me with a banana in my fly because oh. I thought, well, that was that was so benign. What are you doing? Right. So I sent her that picture of the yeah. coming out of my fly. Right. And then she sent me a video Snapchat of her putting a crucifix down the front of her pants, <laughs> which I found out later. <laughs> I found out later uh, the next week, she said, so I was at my parents' place when I did that and um, my dad caught me. What? <laughs> how, does, how do you explain that? You're like, I, uh, Jesus wanted to speak to the bush. It's like it was in the Bible. And this is a prominent journalist <laughs> who oh does God. serious things. And now every time they're doing a story. This is the fucking point of the life though, isn't it? Like people think that people are so smart or they look at people in the media or they look at people like in positions of authority and they think, oh, you know, they're not like me. They're not idiots like me. But your teachers, your bosses, everyone's a fucking dickhead. Everyone's an idiot. Even the newsreader bringing you the serious story from Syria once put a fucking crucifix down the front of her trousers for amusement. Um, Yeah, so... You gotta wow. be careful with Snapchat. Yeah. <laughs> parents, the, only, the only danger with Snapchat is your parents might catch you putting a crucifix down in your vagina. I mean, <laughs> well, how did she even have a crucifix? Well, it's just she was at her parents' place. And right. They had obviously one above the door. I mean, I'm a Catholic yeah, but, person. But, uh, My parents had crucifixes above right. the door. Right. But how would they feel if they caught you <laughs> shoving one? <laughs> well, furious is probably the. Is the. If her parents, if her wog parents are anything right. like my wog parents, I think I've said too much now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that would be furious. <laughs> yeah. uh, have you seen The Passion of the Christ? I may have misunderstood <laughs> what was meant to be happening. Yeah. Ah, but well, I do then. snap, like, it's not creepy, but I do yeah. Snapchat fun things with my niece. Yeah, okay. And then, like, we'll just Snapchat yeah, wacky, wacky seems, faces. It seems like a younger person's going yeah. to Snapchat. Yeah. Um, you're pretty online digital savvy. Like you're pretty much. We've been been having some hilarious debates out here on this balcony about my obsession with the robots taking over and yep. how computers are ruining everything. Mm. Not everything. They're great for a lot of things. And, I my, just, and my obsession equally with how technology can be a liberating factor and how everyone can have access to information. How people can organise to overthrow the robots. Right. All I heard then was la 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 lollipops denial, and. Uh, <laughs> And I maintain you can have both of the. These are the two opposing views of technology that you can hold at the exact same time. It just depends on the one you believe in. Right. No, I, and I agree with that. And I hope, here's my uh, argument constantly with technology is I think it can be a powerful force for us. I just think that we have to pay more attention to using it as a powerful force rather than using it as a negative force. Do you know the Pope today put out a, put out a thing in a speech saying that the, the internet is a gift from God? Oh, really? Yeah. 
The Pope said that. Pope's fucking gone off the reservation, hasn't he? <laughs> I know, it's amazing. He's going out. He was coming out the other day. He's all pro-gay, pro-internet. Well, he's pro not. Pro, he's not pro-gay. Let's. No, well, he's, he's still anti-homophobic. He's, anti anti he's been a yeah. That, which is a good start. <laughs> yes, let's at least. That's, that's the uh, that's the first step to being right. pro-gay. Yeah, it's a fair. It's a fair way still away from pro-gay, <laughs> but. <it's, laughs> But, you know, I, I absolutely agree with you. And he's still pretty hardline when it comes to abortion and when it comes to, like, you know, uh, women priests and gays getting married. And I always feel like I need to uh, say that up front before I then what, get into the stuff that I have enjoyed about him. But there's been a lot about him that I've been really digging. Yeah. 40% uh, of the internet is pornography. Is the Pope also endorsing that 40%? Well, it's a gift is from he God. It's a gift from God. <laughs> is he saying that 40%? What sort of fucking God is telling us, if you believe in Catholics, that you're not meant to masturbate, but is sending us an invention that 40% of is made up of pornography? A temptation, Will. Temptation. That's a fucked it's up a God. Test. It's a test. That is a fucked up God it's giving us all that temptation. It's a test. It's a te I'm a lapsed Catholic, so I don't have to worry about it. It doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah it doesn't matter. <laughs> I appreciate that. Well, I, that, thank you, God, for that gift <laughs> of hacking and data mining and controlling and, and the NSA. Reading my emails. So, what I was going to say was uh, that uh, when it comes to technology, I think that we can use it as a positive force. I just think that we have to be aware of trying to use it as a positive force. The, the second thing that I liked about the Pope was that he spoke about in inequality. Like he spoke about the idea, the myth of like, you know, trickle down economics, which is again, something that I'm obsessed with. Mm. Like we, we talked about it earlier, you know, like, you know, the fact that these rich celebrities are going to this rich celebrity festival and getting bags full of goodies <laughs> free. while fucking 30% of America can't afford to fucking shop at Walmart. And, and like, you know, the Walmart family own more than those 30% of Americans. It's fucking inequality writ large. And yep. the Pope was like... This is fucked up. Yep. We didn't say that. I'm paraphrasing. But that's basically what he said. He said it in Latin. El fucked up a... <laughs> I was like, fuck. Yeah, okay. I, whoever thought that I would live in a world okay. where the Pope and Russell Brand were both making the same point. <laughs> where the Pope and Russell Brand were both making sense. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Yeah. So I... Um, uh, no, I, I'm positive about technology. Like, I'm not any technology. This podcast wouldn't exist without... Like, technology has enabled me to do this podcast. I just worry about that our capacity... I think that technology advances at a rate that our capacity to understand technology is not advancing at the same rate. And I think that, that there is a point where that can, can become dangerous, particularly now where we're talking about artificial intelligence and, you know, robots that can think and do things for themselves. Like there was a new, the first newspaper article was written by a robot the other day. And you think about what fucking ram, like it, 20 years ago when I was studying journalism, I never imagined that 20 years from now there wouldn't be fucking journalism. Like, you know, there's barely fucking journalism anymore. In 20 years, it's been... It's, it, it's a job that I would argue was amongst the most important jobs in society, keeping the bastards honest. And do you know what? It still is, but people have forgotten about it. Right. And do you know why people have forgotten about it? It's because editors have been chasing clicks. Right. Editors have been chasing clicks to yeah. increase their numbers so they can sell right. advertising around... Clicks. Uh, They've been chasing clicks. That's what it is. Yep. They need a click through. So even if it's an ordinary article, it has a sensational headline. Often in this world where people don't read further than their headline, people are being misled constantly because newspaper editors want to get click throughs. Dan, I'm going to tell you something right now that fucking, this is everything that's wrong with everything, is that on the day Nelson Mandela died, mm. the third top story on news.com.au was 10 things you didn't know about Mrs. Doubtfire. What was on the list? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the big one. 
It turns out that Robin Williams was actually Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, right. Yeah. He what, just, the whole time? Yeah. He just oh, dressed... Right. He just There was no Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, it was just shit. him dressed up as a lady. Oh, my God. That's so mind-blowing. I mean, it explains a lot. Was that in the list? Yeah, it was an M. Oh, Night... that's terrible. No, oh, <laughs> no, right, it wasn't right. in the list. It was an M. Night Shyamalan. When I was... Um... <laughs> I, wanted M. I wanted M. Night Shyamalan to uh, direct Lone Survivor. You know that new movie, Lone Survivor? No. Just so... Because I feel like that's a movie you go into kind of like... Yeah, That's I know, the problem I, when you're M. M Night Shyamalan. If you if the executive sees a script with a twist, you, M. Night gets it, but then right. the audience gets fucked because they know oh, there's got to be a twist because right. M. Night's directed it. Oh yeah, like this movie called Lone Survivor. Oh, they all survived. Yeah. <laughs> oh well, <laughs> nice oh, one, M. Night. I'll uh, just say there's uh, there's a twist in this one. <laughs> there may be more survivors than just the one. Hmm? But you didn't see that one coming. Um, when I was a video journalist, yes, I was a journalist doing uh -huh. um, video stuff for Fairfax yeah. uh, in 2006, 2008. And we used to pick thumbnails. And the way to pick a thumbnail was you had to pick uh, a face, that like a very visible face or or something with boobs in it. <laughs> that was right. the, that was the pretty much the remit because something with a big face that got clicks and something with boobs would always get, cl would the, always get clicks. The amount of stories that I've seen with inappropriate photos, like the amount of things... Where, like, you know, it's like a story about breast cancer and it's fucking model in a bikini mm. and shit like that because you're like, they want to get click-throughs to this story. It's all sensationalism. And it's, you know what it is? Yep. It's, it's, it's shifted from uh, the public's right to know to mm. public interest just being anything that the public are interested in. Right? And so they say, well, we, this gets heaps of clicks. But you know what it's like? It's like fast food. It's not meant to be eaten all the time. And then you have people going to things like the Daily Fucking Mail for their news, like this bottom-feeding trash rag, where it's all just giant photos and headlines that go for... And people just read the headlines and they don't read the detail and then they think that's what's happening in the world. Well, I... I recently became a subscriber because I really believe in the notion of journalism as a fourth estate. Oh, no, I agree too. And, I, look, and, I, and, I really, I have, and now I'm an adult who has a job. Right. I've, I've become a subscriber for Fairfax. And I, I'm going to say something. Because, I'm, let me just tell you why. Yeah, because to get around the paywall, all people have to do is open up a private browser. Right. And or I just kept, cl I kept, clear your internet history. clear your internet history. Yeah. But the thing is, Every time I opened up a private browser to watch to read the Fairfax papers, I'd feel bad because I was treating journalists like porn. Right. And that shouldn't be the case. No, it shouldn't be. I think that journalism has to give something of quality for people to actually pay for it. And I don't I think we're in a transition period now where hopefully good journalism will grow out of people's like because I think that newspapers and websites have become so terrible now that people would be like, if there's somewhere that there is good journalism that I can read, I'd be willing to pay for that. But Unfortunately, it means that most of the population, my thing is like, you know, so I, I compare it to fast food in that, you, you know, you, you should be able to eat fast food as part of a balanced diet. Like I'm a person who enjoys all sorts of like crappy things to eat and those sort of things. But I understand that I can't eat it all the time or I will die. Mm. And your brain's the same thing. Like sometimes I feel like that sort of thing, even if I'm flicking through, I'm like, if I'm going to like click on that Gordon Ramsay dwarf in a whole story, I've got to click on a fucking couple of decent stories first. Well, uh, as a comedian, you need to know that for a bit. Well, I'm an engineer. I need to be across the Gordon Ramsay dwarf. Let's not. It <laughs> needs to be a pop culture reference you need in your back pocket. Right. For those paddle shows. You exactly. <laughs> I mean, it paid off just in this conversation, to be honest. Tick, ding. Yeah. No, but I, I, I do find uh, that 
we're in this period now where one of the greatest industries, but also one of the most important industries, because if we don't have journalism, high quality journalism, keeping the bastards honest, then we're not going to find out about these big stories of the governments who are, you know, doing things behind our backs and, you know, monitoring in ways they shouldn't be monitoring and, you know, involved in, you know, corrupt deals and all these things that governments are and have been throughout history. Mm. We need journalism to expose these things and keep these bastards honest. In Australia, we have... Uh, you know, a minister who's in charge of, uh, you know, well, I guess like he's in charge of immigration, but the big issue at the moment is boats arriving in Australia. At least it's a big issue in the community and politics, yep. right? And he just has stopped telling people stuff. Yep. Like, he just went, no, we're just not going to give you information anymore. Yeah. And it's like, this is what happens if you don't have you know, a, a vibrant press. And, and Betty from Blacktown goes, oh, look, they have stopped the boats. We haven't heard about people arriving for, right. for, for months. They must have stopped. No, we they, haven't just, heard about they just stopped telling you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Sorry, they actually oh, no, stopped the information on the boats. Right, yeah, that's no, oh, sorry, done. you misheard during the election. <laughs> our policy wasn't stop the boats. It was stop, stop the telling you information about the boats. boats. Yeah. <laughs> that's what, that's the policy. Yeah, and governments throughout if history. They can't hear, if you can't hear it happening, then it's not happening. Mate, you you got to look at the fact that Obama, who is like a Democrat president in America, you know, in at least in theory of the left in American politics, although in actuality, not at all. Yeah. But this is like, you know, this is a president who oversaw the NSA spying on people's emails. This is, you know, so... He's the pre president who approved the killing of American citizens in other countries using right. drones. This is, know. these are the good guys. <laughs> yeah. So we need fucking journalists to at least tell us what these fuckers are doing. A friend of mine who works in the New York Times honestly believes that that a lot of journalism now is going to have to be philanthropically funded, right? Because so much, so much of the mainstream journalists, uh, so much of the mainstream press are just uh, under so much pressure from so many stakeholders that it's going to be a lot difficult in the future for them to do this kind of reporting. Right, but it, uh, so that in its own self though ha you know, creates its own problems isn't it because yeah. like in the same way as you know Rupert Murdoch you know like owning <laughs> all the newspapers you got to follow you know and so eventually it's going to be someone who has an agenda of their own anyway well it might not be there might be gen genuinely phil philanthropic but normally if someone comes in like the guardian for example in the uk the guardian newspaper which isn't like philanthropy as such is i don't exactly know how the guardian model is but i know it's much more independent and they don't have the same pressures when it comes to you know and that's why they're able to do this sort of journalism mm. but then it has a you know a slant and a bias of its own you know which is why out of all the commercial networks i trust channel nine because they're owned by a hedge fund and they just want to see profits <laughs> <laughs> But this is the problem in society is we've given everything over to this idea of stakeholders and shareholders, like the market's always going to be right. So people can say, oh, we're doing the right thing. We have to look after our shareholders. We have to maximize our profits. And I can understand that there is an imperative to do that, but that means that they sack jobs. They have less experienced journalists in those positions rather than, you know, the, yeah, they, they'll bring in a younger person to do it. They, you know, they don't have a specialist journalist to go that. They'll get someone else to cover it. Yeah. Like... I, I would say that I didn't really understand how to tell a proper story until probably I started Hungry Beast. And I previously that I was actually employed as a journalist right. <laughs> before I was, you know, an investigative humorist. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I guess is the best way to put it. Like, and, and so my friend at the Times, um, my friend Jigger, who I went to Sundance with, who used to work in the New York Times, he was saying the His same. His name's Jigger. Yeah, he's like, he's Indian. Uh, right. Okay. Yeah, yeah. His name's Jigger. Jigger. Yeah, Jigger. I like it. That's his name. He's a good guy. Yeah. He's, uh, he's 
really clever dude. Uh, and he was saying that it's such a crock, like all these people who work at the New York Times who can't write for shit, but still the New York Times is still held up as the bastion of, of great writing and the bastion of great journalism. Right. But when you look at a story, it's sometimes not what you think it should be. And yet no one ever questions that because it's the New York Times. So this, this, is, this is how they do things. And he was saying how he's never had a story fact-checked ever. Right. Uh, and, and that was so interesting to me. Just like, oh, what? Like, that's, so you just have to do your own fact-checking? He's like, yep. No, we didn't actually employ any fact-checkers on our, on our video stories. So that's, that's kind of, you, you have to kind of keep that in mind that when we're talking about people actually don't know what they're doing. <laughs> Often, like, I, I spot errors and stuff because I get up early in the morning to write some jokes for Twitter and stuff out of the newspaper, yeah. you know, when I feel like it. And so some days you're seeing the first edition of the story and often I spot glaring fucking errors. And so sometimes I will tweet about them if I, if I see them and almost immediately they get corrected. Oh, right. So you're, like, so you're I've the had editor. To, well, that's what I honestly was like, am I sub-editing the fucking news.com.au at the moment? Like, they're like, ah, we can lay two more people off and I'll just tweet about it and then we'll fix it up. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I once read an article where they said Dustin Hoffman was Mrs. Doubtfire and it changed, it changed immediately. It changed immediately. Like within an hour, that was changed. The, the worst thing is that I still do click through on some of those lists. Like, for example, the other day, one was 10 hip-hop tracks that you didn't know were ghost-written. <laughs> and, uh, that actually strikes a chord with you, right. well, with me as well, because music is so personal. Like, you, where's the authenticity in that? Like, I have right. to find out which ones aren't authentic. My favourite uh, example, without a doubt, was that... Um, uh, what well, two. I'm going to say that Jay-Z wrote uh, raps... Uh, for Bugs Bunny, <laughs> for the Bugs Bunny, the Space Jam, <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, the other one, Naz or Naz or Nas, as some people say, Naz or Nas, who is a great rapper, uh, who I'm actually a big fan of, uh, is the Ghost Rider. And he's kind of like a cool, you know, indie rapper. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, indie's not probably the right term, but you know, like he's a well-respected rapper. Yeah. He wrote uh, Will Smith's Getting Jiggy With It. Really? Really? <laughs> really? So two fictitious people <laughs> had their raps ghost written for them. Oh, oh that's man. journalism. I do enjoy that. That though. is journalism. Yeah. Um, so, so what do you see the next? Like, I'm interested to talk to you about this because where do you feel like we're at in terms of technology, and what do you feel like the next few years are going to have in store for the changing state of the media? Because you know, and and I want to speak more broadly about this, like because particularly things like television and stuff like that. I mean. I've been here. I've got a television in this apartment and I've barely watched... Like we, last night, we were flicking through the channels. There's like 600 channels. Yeah. Uh, so firstly, Bruce Springsteen has to update that song. There's 600 now, boss. <laughs> I hope when he tours, he updates it on every time. Like, you know, it's like there's six, 600 channels now, nothing on. Uh, but secondly, like, you know, with Netflix and Hulu and all those sort of things... People are just watching, you know, downloading shows and watching them in their convenience. So, wh what do you, where do you see the media in the next couple of years? Uh, it's, I think television is a bad investment. So, if you're going to go and buy Channel Nine uh, when they float, that's that's terrible news for you. Um, and I, I think it's going to come down to curation. And I think we're going to rely, like we already do, so much to do with Facebook and Twitter is that we're relying on our friends to tell us what's good. Right. And we're relying on people who curate things to tell us what's good uh, hulu is a good example of that but also other websites like dig devour 
um, Reddit is a great example of where the good stuff rises to the top. And through word of mouth and things like that, that's how you're going to find out what's good. How people are going right. to make Right, but it money. is also how I am starting to cull my friends. <laughs> do you mean? Look, I do that too. If you're going to keep posting pictures of your baby uh, and how much you're in love with that other excellent person, I will just unsubscribe. For, for mine, it is if I if you send me one more link to an upworthy video that is guaranteed <laughs> to change my fucking life. Upworthy are the kings of hyperbole. Yep. Like I have mm. never seen people overstate. Like I've seen one or two good videos that have been sent, but. You like, never believe what this gay man said to the pizza owner shop at 40 minutes in. Oh, well. oh no, I did believe it. That <laughs> yeah, sounds yeah. like exactly what yeah, you'd I say. I want pepperoni too. Yeah, can I get a pizza? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, I, no, right, I get that. So, you, you're going to be recommended to things. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of what's happening in the moment. And what about this Netflix model of, like, just making shows and dumping them out like they're doing with House of Cards and stuff like that? Uh, that That's definitely working for them at the moment. But here's the thing. No one actually knows what kind of numbers Netflix is doing in right. terms of viewership. But because they don't release that data, but they do have stacks of money and they are spending a lot more money on original content than anyone. YouTube and Netflix are the ones that are spending and Amazon are the ones that are spending heaps of money on new content. Amazon uh, are doing something interesting where they're spending um, lots of money making pilots yep. and they're getting their audience to go to Amazon Prime to watch all the shows and the most and the favorite uh, pilots that get get watched, they'll turn them into series. Mm. That's really clever. And how come a guy that can deliver you books by drone yep. is doing this? Why isn't why aren't entertainment companies doing this? It clearly makes sense. Why isn't NBC putting up six pilots on their website for you to watch? And well, this will be perfect for Amazon when they control all the books. <laughs> they have all the drones. Amazon actually don't give any money back to their shareholders at present because there's no real profit. They just spend, they roll that profit straight into expanding into Right, other into areas. the business, yeah. Right, yeah. Into, they're just growing. Into buying drones. Yeah, and... they're growing as fast <laughs> as they can. Right. Um, just doing it to all sorts of areas. I mean, you know, and there's those big companies that terrifies me a little because like, you know, you look at Google who I've, I've done work for and their their motto is don't, don't be evil, right? Is that their don't be evil? That's my that sounds like the sort of thing that someone who will eventually be evil would have as their we'll motto, by say, the way. Yeah, but like, yeah. you know, I just do that sort of thing of going, they control a lot of the world's information and they're buying a lot more things and they invest in these sort of things. Eventually, these big companies, like, they're going to have so much control over our lives. Yep. Like, I mean, I know that's always been the case. Big companies, you know, companies... The I guess at some stage the car companies were the big companies or whatever you know like when transport was first thing and now you know car companies are dying all over the world because of the changing nature of that sort of thing yeah there was a time I guess you know I mean I, there was a time in my lifetime where video stores were well you the know, most Microsoft used to be you know to right. even more recently you know Microsoft used to be the big company but now, yep. now who cares about Microsoft right. like no one cares about Microsoft controlling anything anymore because they don't have any control anymore right. I think what we'll see is probably in 20 years' time, Google disappear and maybe another company. You don't know if another company is going to take the place of Google um, who think of something incredibly more innovative. Google, Google and Amazon are the two interesting companies because they're doing so much innovation across so many different things. Even Apple, don't you don't see Apple innovating anymore um, now that Steve has passed away. No. They just don't. They're just interested in kind of maintaining maintaining their share in the things they kind of already have. Uh, but everybody's kind of innovating furiously on, and running in a thousand different directions to try to find out what next thing is happening. Are you trying to say you're scared about Google cars, like Google automated cars? I am a little bit, yeah. <laughs> can I you imagine someone hacking into your Google car? I can. 
I can definitely imagine that. And I can imagine the fact that, like... It'd be a great excuse for Craig Thompson, though. I can... It? It'd be like, no, no, someone oh, hacked, my, someone hacked my Commonwealth car. Someone... That's how I ended up at the, at the brothel. Yeah, well, I, the, the Google car drove itself to the brothel. <laughs> <laughs> um, I... Uh, I do worry about that. I worry about people being put out of jobs, you know, because eventually with Google cars and stuff like that, essentially, I think like I think at the start, those sort of things are going to be used for transportation. If I sure. had a guess, you know, it's going to be, you know, Amazon, you know, delivering things on drones and it's going to be Google using Google cars to, you know, replace essentially long distance truck drivers and, and things like that. So already you're getting, you know, you're losing people, you know, jobs again. It's the underskilled that are going to suffer. Most. Right. Yeah. Yes, yeah. that, absolutely. It's always the, like Kim Beasley, who uh, ran for Prime Minister of Australia and... Part-time uh, courier. He's going to lose his job. Right. <laughs> no, but he, he, one of the things that he said that really resonated with me, even back then, he goes, we've got to worry about where, where the dumb guys will work in the future. And he didn't mean that in a bad way. He just meant that in the ordinary people who go to work and work hard for their family and raise their family and are the backbone of society. This is exactly what's happened in mining over the last um, 30 years in mining in Australia. Um, m people talk about the mining boom, but what they don't talk about is how many jobs were lost in mining over the last 20 years right. due to automation. Yep. So many jobs, thousands of jobs disappeared from mining because of, of new automation by machines built by other people overseas brought to Australia to do mining. Right. Like it, there's a mining boom, but it's mining boom in profits. Yep. It's a mining boom. Those now working in mining earn 150 grand a year, but uh, it, it, the, the, the job, losses of just hemorrhaged right. across across 20 years like lots of thousands of jobs disappeared because of automation and um, but no one you don't that's the story that's not told no yeah this, like every time you go into a, like a, a you know a fast food chain restaurant and they've got an ipad instead of a waiter <laughs> that's someone who doesn't have a job yeah. you've got to remember that yeah. like and i get that but i think there's some times where i'm like is it really good for our society for us yeah. to be automating everything essentially fitting uh, fixing up a system that rewards the rich because I don't have to worry about this. Like, I do well. I, I will love the fact that I can buy a book and it gets delivered overnight. Yeah. I will love the fact that I don't have to talk. I don't want to talk to a waitress sometimes at a cafe. I can just order there and my food will come over and nobody will fuck it up. Great. But, but the moment a robot, a robot starts doing Justin Bieber references right. and dick jokes. <laughs> That's basically... <laughs> You're out of the job, Anderson. You've stumbled onto it. I'm scared of the robo comic. That's... <laughs> <laughs> That's, it's over I, I wondered why I was so obsessed with this but <laughs> yeah. it's because I imagine we're not far away from a computer program that robots can do my job about, robots know more about Nile from, right. from 1D than you already know just ask Google I can find oh yeah I think that maybe that is it I don't know I just think that sometimes like we get sold this idea that everything is fantastic and new which I, it, sometimes it is but we don't get like yeah we don't have time to examine whatever ramifications of those new things are and I'm conflicted by this because I enjoy technology like just last night or the night before I was enjoying how much that from my phone I can turn on my stereo in my house and listen to Triple J and I was impressed by that like yeah you know, yeah, it's it's really cool. Like I love that. I yeah. love that. Triple J would be impressed by that. Triple J would be impressed that someone in LA wants to listen to Triple J rather than Spotify or, or Pandora or something. Right. Yeah. No. And I, I mean, I dig all that stuff. I think it's fantastic. You know, um, I love my big TV and I love my computers and I love being able to. But I just, I, I increasingly read a lot of articles about like how advanced we're getting really, really quickly, and it terrifies me a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. 
I don't, I don't know what's going to happen. Well, you'll be, uh, that's the only reason I invited you <laughs> for the answer. <laughs> 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 right. I'm just going to power down. I got a movie out of it. It's fine. <laughs> it's absolutely fine. Um, uh, so what next for you? So you're here in LA. I'm here in LA. I'm going to New York, going to London, uh, Geneva and home. And then, um, so uh, Gene- why Geneva? Uh, oh, well, don't run us through it all. So New York, why are you going to New York? Because, uh, uh, okay, I'm in LA because I might, uh, I'll find out tomorrow right. where I have US management, which yep. would be cool. Good. And if I get US management tomorrow, I'm going to hope, hopefully they'll help me open up a door into a few shows I'd like to work on yep. in New York, like Colbert, Stewart and Oliver's show. It's like crazy, idealistic, ambitious sort of thing for where I am in my life. Like, I'm, I'm no one to them and I'm, I would love to work on those shows. So. Yeah, but, I mean, but also, you're at a point in your life where you have enough experience that on the off chance that they were just going to pick someone because they were good yep. and also maybe they were looking for a fresh voice, you know, someone who's not from their world and their experience, you know... You might they you, they might not know you, yeah. but you're ready to do that job. Yeah, I feel, like you're at I a point in your life yeah. where you could do it, and that's all. You, that's all you got to do. They're certainly not going to find you in your fucking <laughs> no. apartment in Bondi. <laughs> no, do you know what I mean? Not, like they're, they're not, but they'd get some great Instagrams if they right. can. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but the thing is, I, I feel I feel more than maybe four years ago or three years ago, I feel really ready to do something bigger yeah. than what I've been doing in Australia, and I'm just looking for another experience without writing, producing or directing yep. in one of those three streams on any of those shows to work with those heroes would be amazing. And I'm doing going to London to do the same thing. So I've got a list of producers I'm trying to hit up to work on shows that I want to work on in, in the UK as well. So it's basically, it's a round the world trip going, hi everyone, I'm here. Uh, can I play? I'll see you in three months. You know, that that's kind good of, though. That kind like, of I mean, I think that's really brave. I think a lot of people would be really intimidated by like, you know, cause I don't think anyone likes, you know, rejection. And, yeah. and you know that when you set out on an adventure like that, that more like, like you're really looking for one, like you're not setting out thinking that you'll get home and there'll be like <laughs> nine offers. No, no. Like you're like, I hope that if I, you know. Yeah. If, if they want me to come around for an interview, I'd fly right. over again next week. Yeah. To, to you, you're, you're using the party crash like <laughs> approach <laughs> method, of yeah. just like there's, Unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, my name's not on the list. So. Right. <laughs> but I, I do love the idea of if, like, you have a meeting, yep. like, you know, you say you're sitting across from the Colbert people and they say, I'm sorry, but it's a no. And you just lead across and you go, there's always another, another way. way in. <laughs> well, the cool thing is just being here, you get exposed to people who you wouldn't normally already. Right. So already at Sundance, I met um, Baratunde. I don't know if you know Baratunde. He used to work at the, he used to work at the Onion. Uh-huh. Uh, he's great on Twitter and he started his own uh, progressive comedy think tank called uh, Cultivated Wit and I'm starting a kind of comedy brand in Australia or have been over the last couple of years called Irrational Irrational Fear. Fear and we're doing a big digital project when I get home and I said mate do you mind if I, w- I call you up for a bit of a Skype conference yep. with your team and you maybe we can do some cross sharing or rather we'll, dr- we'll probably just suck you dry for information he's like yeah man just here's my email here's my number call me up Great. and you know let, uh, we'll, we'll tell you what we know and isn't that great like, like that wouldn't happen if I just tweeted him uh, no, because he, he, he's he's quite big on Twitter. Like three hundred thousand yep. people follow him. Yeah. So it's cool just to be able to go. Yeah, like I'm legit. I'm starting this. Um, would you be Would you be okay if you right. know, we had fifteen minutes or twenty minutes of your time? And if nothing else, for what you're doing at home, that makes the whole trip worthwhile. Oh, incredible! Like, that so- moment <laughs> is like it's essentially you can go into your team and go, "Hey, here's <laughs> one of the best people at doing this around In the, the world. world," and they're going to give us some advice. And, and gonna- you know, maybe former. Because here's the other thing. That and I've I've spoken about this before, but I think that people undervalue the idea of the relationship that you can form with someone because people like not all people, yeah. but 
people who like giving advice like giving advice. Yeah. And if I give you advice, I have now invested in you. Yeah. I want it to work out for you because yeah. I want to know that my advice was good. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. And I always think this of people. I think people can be too scared to sort of ask or to ask for advice, you know. And it's a nice way to like you know, form a bond with somebody, I think. Oh, it's terrific. And I feel like I'm at an age now. Like I'm old, 30. I mean like oldish, you know, 32. So I feel like I'm doing the same for younger comics as right. well through my shows, like trying to bring them through and kind of... And you are. I mean, you do that a lot with your show. Like that's part of the vibe of what you do is expose audiences to people they might not have seen and yeah. certainly might not have seen doing the sort of topics and approaches that they, you know, that you have on your show. So I think that's right. And I think that rewards itself. Yeah, it's But great, it also gives feeling. you an insight in how to, because you know how you would like someone to behave around you and respond to you. Yeah. So you are able to then put that into practice in when... In kind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. I, li I think that's a really good approach. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the people who, my mentors, all uh, like people like you and other people who have helped me out in my comedy career, like I really, people, anyone who's given you, who've tapped on the shoulder or helped you out, you just give them all of your loyalty, all of your respect because they've made you better. And that's, that's extraordinary, you know, right. like. It's, uh, it always interests me that some people think, and again, this goes back to this idea of like the capitalist system in general, like <laughs> has convinced us that we're in a competition. That's right. You yeah. know, that there's only one. There's no monetary reward for me sleeping on your couch, by the way. Right. <laughs> but like the, yeah, the, the system has convinced us that it's all right for all of us to be poor in the off chance that one day you'll be rich enough that you get a free goodie bag at Sundance, you know? And I think that, I don't, that's not my approach to world. Like I, I've said this before and I'll say it again, the rising tide lifts all boats. And if you can help people out and you can build your industry, and that is part of what the joy of podcasting has been for me, has been that idea of like the community has built. And community every time- online, the internet community. Yeah, no, I agree. I know, I've told you that there's good things about it, but I'm not sure that free podcasts outweighs the government reading all our emails. Like if you're making a unless, chart. Unless you used your internet community to get, to get them to sign a petition. Well, this is why I, I am using my internet community, Dan. This is my point. I'm filling their ideas. Good. Like I'm filling their mind with those. Essentially. See, you're the antidote to the problems you see. Do you know what I think I've, uh, you know what I think I'm doing now in retrospect? I think I've been obsessed of late uh, with the idea that I'll be useless come you know, the rise of the robots and I'll be useless if there's some sort of apocalypse situation because I'm no good at doing anything. The only thing that I'm good at is like talking shit, like, and, you know, exploring ridiculous conspiracy theories. So, you know what every, everything needs after one of those big revolutions? Some dude doing some fucking <laughs> underground radio show about it. Uh, remember me? I told you that the fucking robots were evil back in the day. If you'd listen to my podcast, if you just downloaded it, oh no, I'm going to listen to WTF. Well, fucking Mark didn't warn you about the robots, did he? I fucking warned you about the robots. Oh, I just, um, maybe I'm going to listen to I Love Green God Letters. Well, still did not fucking warn you about the rise of the robots. Arthur Coma didn't write in a letter about the rise of the robots now that there is no green guide because the media has been destroyed by computers <laughs> now, dr carl dr carl will tell you now i'm off to grow robots. a ponytail <laughs> uh look i don't want to keep coming back to this movie but i saw it at sundance yeah. and it really had an effect on me um because i i feel like i knew the guy but i, I wasn't friends with him at all aaron schwartz was a internet activist who, who took his life last year and there's a mm -hmm. documentary about him yeah and there was this beautiful moment in 2012 where he was interviewed and, and 
uh, where his girlfriend, Taryn, who I know, said Aaron was constantly asking himself. In Hang his- on, just, I, I'm not going to make fun of somebody who killed himself, but his name's Aaron and his girlfriend's name was Taryn. <laughs> Taryn, yeah, that's Okay, funny. all right. <laughs> I'm just, that's because I know that at least one listener would have like, picked sure, that up. Sure. So we've acknowledged that. We're not going to dwell on it. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> Let's move on. Um, so, and she said that Aaron was always asking himself, what is the most important thing he should be working on right now? Uh-huh. And why isn't he working on it? Right. If he's not doing that. And that's kind of what that's kind of what you're doing. You have an audience, and you right. think this is the most important thing you should be working on right now. And, and it is. You're enlightening your audience on these big issues. Right. Uh, and the next step for you would be how do you get them activated? I guess. Right. But if you give them enough information, then they will activate themselves. I mean, you know what? I'm just hopeful they'll buy a t-shirt for the hundredth episode. <laughs> just for the cut. Just for the cut. <laughs> just get your t-shirt. I should. I am going to mention that because we're about to finish up. Um, the hundredth episode is coming up soon, and. Uh, February 15 is uh, the... is the first is the anniversary the one year anniversary of Fofop. Um, I'm hoping that if I can work it out, the hundredth and the fifteenth might uh, co- coincide with oh, each clever. other. It's I'm not quite. It will involve a bit of me having to really like, you know. I don't really know if that'll work, but they'll be around the same time. James Fosdyke has uh, designed a new T-shirt. Oh, it's, I think it's the best one yet. Um, it's a guest Charlie number one. It has Charlie and Dave on the front cover. <laughs> anyway, it's fucking hilarious. It's so fucking funny. So um, there'll be a limited edition of those around the 15th, but I'll give you more information about that soon. Uh, my Illuminati tour is on sale, and it's it's all happening really soon. So um, uh, Adelaide, Brisbane, uh, Melbourne, and Sydney, all the shows are on sale there. I I'm at San Francisco Sketchfest the 7th through the 9th. I'm doing Kurt Brownholder's show. I'm doing hey. my own show. Hey. Uh, I am doing Setlist and Prompter. So I'll be doing heaps of shows in San Fran. So come and see that. Uh, Dan Illick, uh, people can find you at Dan Illick. Yeah, at Dan Illick on Twitter uh, or irrationalfear.com, Irrational Fear on Facebook, Irrational Fear on Twitter. I should Twitter. say for people who are not across Irrational Fear, it's A Rational Fear. A Rational Fear, not yeah. E Rational, not not rational yeah. fear yes uh, and it, not it's ir- a joke on fear yes. because it's a, fear is not rational no uh, but what I'm trying to imply is that this is right. a rational fear no I enjoyed the joke yeah, I was joke. just I was just hoping people at home were getting the joke I'm just explain I'm, ex- yeah. I'm, ex- I'm, ex- I'm explaining from Betty from Blacktown no no I, I, <laughs> I agree with you uh, and uh, you're on Instagram as well because you Instagrammed a picture of me this morning uh, I in my, a beautiful, boot, in my Ugg boots a beautiful picture of Will in his pyjamas right. working on Will and Marty um, and it's, I think it's going to be a terrific show yeah, I've seen. based on based on <laughs> based on you seeing me work on it. You're yeah, like, well, well, you haven't seen any of the material, but you've seen me. You've you seen me with a piece of paper. You know, I've actually yeah, been. I just want to. I just want to make sure that everyone knows that you work hard. Right, yeah. <laughs> you're very hard. Well, very please, hard. particularly for free content. So if you're getting this, look, yeah. if you're getting this for free, free, yeah, you're very lucky. Will doesn't have to do this. I don't have to. He doesn't have to. So I, I feel compelled to, but I don't t-shirt. have to. Buy a t-shirt. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I don't even make any profit out of the t-shirts. Come come and see my show. If you can't come and see the show, buy a t-shirt. But if you can come and see the show, come and see the show. And come and come and see Irrational Fear as well. It's great. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll quickly plug some other podcasts that have been on because I love to support them as well, talking about the community and the rising tide and all those sort of things. Uh, I am on the Media Week Australia podcast talking about my television plans for 2014 and some other career stuff. So... If you're interested in hearing me talk seriously about that, I'm on that podcast. I was also on The Crab Feast, which is fantastic. Uh, Road Stories, uh, which was fantastic. And uh, Walk in the Room, so you can check out all those podcasts. And if you haven't... uh 
uh, heard it yet, uh, the latest episode, the fourth episode of Willosophy is up. And uh, my guest on Willosophy oh. is Charlie Clawson. Oh, yeah. wow. Yes. Yeah. Some people, Dan, thought that when I started doing Willosophy, it was just a ploy to sneak Charlie back in to do a podcast with me. And those people were absolutely correct. But I had to wait four episodes to sneak him in or it would have been rude. Can I ask you a question about you that? You can uh, ask me a question about what that. What did you learn about Charlie Clawson doing Willosophy? That you didn't know before you did the Will Osophy episode. That his mum is a Lily Allen fan. <laughs> like seriously, his mum like only follows like four people on Twitter, and one of them is a Lily, Lily Allen. Allen. Okay, all right. I know his mum. That surprised me. Yeah. Okay. Good. She's like the mother of like eight or nine kids, you know, oh, like wow. and raised them by herself basically. I guess and, she doesn't uh, want to follow anyone else because she's not got enough kids to kind of right fill up her. But Lily Allen, <laughs> I, I enjoyed that. That it's. That it's Lily Allen. Oh, look, you know, Charlie's one of my best friends. So I'm not sure that I, apart from that, there was anything that surprised me. In fact, I probably found it the hardest of all the interviews to do in one way. Because you knew him so well. Because I know him so well. And because he doesn't really want to be interviewed by me. Like, we're just talking. Which is kind of what that other podcast was about anyway. Like, it's funny because... Some people are like, is it an inter It's not an interview show. It's me chatting with, like, I talked to Pinky uh, Beecroft from Machine Gun Fellatio for two hours yeah. and we didn't talk about Machine Gun Fellatio. Yeah. That would be the thing that most people know him Before, from. Yeah. Like, I just want to talk to people and have a conversation yeah. and it's it's going to be as much about, you know, things that I think or what we're talking about as it's going to be about me. There's enough fucking interview shows out on the internet. It's not... It's not, it's not for that. But with Charlie, because we have a pre-existing relationship and also because we hadn't really caught up for months because yeah. I've been overseas, yeah. we just really kind of had a chat, oh, and, which was lovely. Like, I mean, I really enjoyed it. And I think, um, you know, for where I'm at in that sort of process, it was a really nice one to have. Like, Did you call the episode 10 Things You Didn't Know About Charlie Clawson? I said it, called it 10 Things You Didn't Know About Mrs. Doubtfire, <laughs> just for the click-throughs because it's all about advertising. you got to get the click-throughs. a great picture of Charlie Clawson's dick. There's always another way in.